0: spiritual versus the carnal. 1 Corinthians, please. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. for hitherto you were not able to bear it neither yet now are you able for ye are yet carnal for ye are yet carnal the Lord bless his word you may be seated what a way to be addressed by the Apostle Paul can you imagine the first assembly where this, re- this letter arrived and the reader got up we got a letter from the apostle and he starts to read it starts out pretty good first chapter first few verses okay that's not too bad brother Paul that sounds pretty good gets down a little bit further and eh, that starts to sting that starts to hurt a little bit second chapter getting tight Paul you're starting to get tight and then chapter 3 Rolls along the first verse. He calls them carnal. He calls them babies in Christ. Ouch. Ouch. Now you have to understand the situation in Corinth. We know from um, past teachings that we have had that the Corinthian church is a well-blessed church, it's a fairly big church. The indication is, is that they are meeting in some fairly big places where a lot of different people can gather at one time. They have a lot of people coming and going throughout the service. They have unbelievers showing up into their services, coming and going. You can read that as you get down to chapter 14. As unbelievers enters, he talks about the speaking in tongues and the situation that arises when unbelievers gather. You also have the situation that they have been blessed by many preachers coming by. They have had Paul, they have Apollos, they they can hold to Cephas. So many men, many men have been poured, many men's efforts have been poured into this church. This is a well-blessed church. They have the moving of the Spirit in every service. Every service, every time the church gathers together, something quote-unquote spiritual happens in that church. Now, we would look at this church from the outside and we'd say, hey, that's a church I want to be a part of. They're big. If we're going to be really carnal, they got money. They're in a Corinthian um, city. It was very rich city. Very rich city. They got a lot of people coming and going. Man, the best preachers roll through there. I want to go to that church. They get a lot of teaching. They get a lot of teaching. But in behind the facade of the front, there's problems. A lot of problems. So much so that sexual immorality is allowed to last in the pews without being dealt with. Now, we might say, how can that happen, Brother Andrew? That doesn't even seem logical. Well, it doesn't if you look at it from a biblical perspective. But if you look at it through the Corinthian church... It's not that surprising. Why? Because you got a bunch of babies rolling around. Because you have got a bunch of carnal believers engaging in the service and also leading the church. Paul makes no differentiations between here. He does not say, your leaders are spiritual, but you folks in the pews are carnal. He says, the whole church. I can't speak to any of you as spiritual. You're all carnal. Imagine that. From the leadership down to the pew, everyone's carnal in the church. And that creates a problem, Brother Connell. That creates a big problem. Now I'm not saying that we are there and that everybody in this church is carnal. And I for sure am not saying that everybody in this church is spiritual. What I'm saying is that at every church, and Paul will allude to this, there is a mixture. There is a mixture of carnal and spiritual. There are two people in the world that know who exactly who is who. Christ and yourself. Christ and yourself. Now you can fool yourself, but you will not fool Christ. Christ knows whether you are a babe or whether you are mature. He knows whether you are carnal or whether you are spiritual. You can fool yourself to a point, but if you would search down deep, I'm pretty sure you'd find the same answer Christ has. Or whether or not you're spiritual Or carnal. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that we are called to coexist one with the other. And that a church that is doing the work of Christ will always have carnal and spiritual Christians. Why? Because we are to have new births into the church. And with new births comes carnal people. You started out that way, okay? So don't get too surprised about it. You started out as a carnal believer in Jesus Christ. If you think yourself spiritual now, okay, you might well be. But you weren't always this way. You started out at the same place we all started, at the foot of the cross. A new birth in Jesus Christ. And as a new birth in Jesus Christ, you start out as a baby. But then you grow up to be mature. It is okay It is okay for there to be carnal people in the church. Brother Andrew, what are you saying? Because if there's no carnal people in the church, that means we're not birthing new people into the church. If we're all mature, that means we've all been saved for a good little while. We've all had time to grow. We've all had time to mature. Brother Benny, give me a church where there's babes and there's mature. Give me a church where there's people that don't know a whole lot, but they're saved. Right. Give me a church that there are people in the leadership that who are mature enough to lead the babes in Christ. And that there are elders, and not just talking about in positions of leadership, but elder saints that are there to be able to lead the younger saints. But you have to understand, get out of your mind the picture that the whole church will be perfect at all times. Please remove that false ideology. It does not exist in this world. You will not have a perfect church. You will have carnal people coexisting between spiritually mature people. You will have carnal people rubbing elbows, hugging necks, working together along with those that are spiritually mature. And thank God for it. The problems only arise with carnal people is when they do not mature. Paul does not fault the Corinthian church because they were born yesterday and they haven't got these things figured out. No, he says, I should be able to speak to you with spiritual meat by now. There's a problem, you can only take the milk. The issue is not that you are carnal and that you were just born into this thing yesterday and you have just arrived to salvation and you knew nothing about this before and now you're born into this thing. I don't expect perfection out of babies. But for those that have been given the chance to mature and no maturity is seen, we have a problem. We have a problem. And that is the problem that Paul is addressing. So please hear me on this. I am not condemning carnal people for being in the church. Paul does not condemn carnal people for being in the church. Paul condemns carnal people for not growing. That is the problem. If you look to your neighbor and you say, I think they're kind of carnal. I think they're a little bit of a babe in Christ. Well, take into account they may not have had much time to mature. and They may need some more time to mature. Take into account that they may have to overcome more things than you. Take into account they may have a different path than you. That may require more of them than it requires of you. You will find that the spiritual, as we go through this a little bit, the spiritual are those that can look into the situation and pull the truth out of it. They don't take it just for face value. They can look into a situation and say, this person's carnal because they have not grown. Or they can look into a situation, this person is carnal because they've got a rough road. You should be able to differentiate between the two as spiritual people. The church is made up of individuals at different levels. There are two main levels where this is seen. As I stated, you are either spiritual or you are carnal. You are either a babe in Christ or you are mature in Christ. Now there is progression in between the two. Obviously, you do not jump from a baby to a full-grown man. But you mature along a straight line. There are not to be people that jump from babe to mature, back to babe to mature, back to babe to mature. That does not happen. If you're jumping back to babe, you're a babe always. You might have a time when a baby acts more mature, but that still don't make them mature. There may be a time that your little toddler acts like they own the world and they know everything and they're acting mature for that one single moment. Give them a little bit. Don't worry about it. They'll be back to acting like a baby in just a few minutes. Why? Because they're still babes. They're still babes. Maturity is along a straight line. You start out as a baby, you end up as a perfect man in Christ Jesus. Nobody in here has reached that goal. So you're still along that straight line. You are maturing in Christ Jesus. You are being perfected. Paul himself says, I have not arrived. I have not arrived to the perfection of Jesus Christ. I am perfect. I am mature. I am complete in Him. But yet I have not arrived to the stature of the fullness of God. There's a straight line and it is an eternal line. We walk towards maturity. The carnal and the spiritual share foundational experiences in Christ. This you need to recognize, and don't forget it. Brother John, you're either a Christian or you ain't. There is no in-between. Well, Brother Andrew, I'm just a carnal person working towards a Christian. No, no, no. You can be a natural man, and you are not a Christian. There is a defining line there and found in Scripture. You can be a carnal man and be a Christian, but you cannot be a natural man and a Christian. Don't get the two confused. Paul makes a distinction. He says, these are the men that are of the flesh. They are of the flesh. They are natural. They have not been born again. These people are not saints. But you can have people, once again, that are carnal and yet saints. And it is unfair of us to look at people and say, just because they are carnal, they are not Christ or Christ's. That they are not born again. Let's note a couple of things. First Corinthians, please go back to the first chapter. This is not brother Andrew talking here. Paul will make this distinction. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now if you read through 1 Corinthians, you will find a whole lot of Paul laying the hammer down on Corinth. He pummels them and pummels them over and over and over again with some harsh words, harsh words. If we took out the first part of 1 Corinthians we would say these people are not saved. There is no possibility that this group of people right here are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. These people cannot be saints. Paul says, you're my brethren. You're called to be saints just like everybody else. Note what he says. Called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. You are a saint just like every other Christian there is. But yet you're still carnal. It's a possibility. You need to understand it is a possibility to be a carnal saint. That's not Brother Andrew talking. That's what Paul says. You can be saved. You can be sanctified. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost and be carnal. You can do it. Now, once again, that's not Brother Andrew's deciphering. That's what Paul makes explicitly clear. You can have all the foundational experiences of Jesus Christ and yet remain a babe in Christ. Now, if you would like to retain those foundational experiences, you better mature. But starting out, you can be saved, You can be sanctified, you can be Holy Ghost baptized, and be carnal. Now that comes as a little bit of a shock to us. Why? Because we have equated maturity with the wrong things. We have equated maturity with things that we can see in worship services. We have equated maturity with experiences instead of fruit. These things ought not so to be. You will note, maturity in Christ is not measured by gifts of the Spirit. To make a point, 1 Corinthians 1, please, and verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you will note once again, sinners do not wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are saints, these are born again believers. They're waiting for Christ to come back. Sinners don't do that. Also, people that are not filled with the Holy Ghost do not get exercised in the gifts of the Spirit. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost for the Holy Ghost to use you in a gift. This is sound biblical teaching. But once again, just being filled with the Holy Ghost and just being exercised and used in a gift does not make you spiritual. Did you know that carnal people can perform miracles if the Lord so wills it? Well, Andrew, Andrew, I don't know about that one. Only the super spiritual can perform miracles. Not so. Think back to Christ. He sent the 70 out. He sent them out to preach the Word to cast out devils, to perform miracles. These people were not spiritual. They came back. They were rejoicing in this. Look, Christ, look what we can do. By our hands, people are healed. By our hands, demons are cast out. By our hands, this, 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 this. Christ says, look, guys, you're rejoicing in the wrong thing. That's nothing. That's nothing. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written above. This is the true treasure. Carnal people can perform miracles. Carnal people can be used in prophecy. Carnal people can speak in tongues. Carnal people can give words of wisdom by the Holy Ghost. Carnal people can be used in any gift the Lord so wills. But that does not equate to maturity. We have a problem in Pentecostalism. And it's caused us a lot of heartache. We have equated spiritual maturity to exercise of Pentecostal experiences and Pentecostal gifts. This is not correct. This is not correct. You get saved, you get sanctified, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Thanks be to God. You still got a long road ahead of you. The Lord uses you in a service. The Lord uses you to perform a miracle. Thanks be to God, you've still got a long road ahead of you. You will note what Paul calls the leaders in the church to. Note the distinctions. Note the qualification of elders. Do you find anywhere in there where Christ or Paul says you have to be used in the spiritual gifts? No, but there are places where the spiritual gifts can be helpful in those situations. Absolutely. But Paul does not look for maturity in a person or a man being used in the spiritual gifts as a measure of whether or not he is preacher material. No, he emphasizes fruit of the Spirit in that. He looks to whether or not they have been perfected in their, their applications in life. He wants to know how steady they are. He wants to know do you have a knowledge of the Word. He wants to know whether or not you can control yourself. He could care less how many miracles you performed. And He could could care less how many prophecies you've given out. He could care less how many times you speak in tongues. He could care less how loud your worship is. He wants to know, are you steadfast? He wants to know, how much of that book do you know? He wants to know, how do you treat your wife? He wants to know, how do you treat your kids? How do you treat those that are without? That's what He wants to know about, whether or not you are fit for the office of leadership. Once again, we've made this mistake in Pentecostalism. We've given the pulpit to anybody that has been used in a gift. Not good. The whole epidemic, the whole pandemic, I should say, the whole pandemic of women being in leadership in Pentecostalism stems from this very point. Why? Because God has used her in the services. God has used her in the home even. God has used her here. God has used her there. She's got to be fit. Look at all this that she does. The Bible makes it explicitly clear. No, sir. No, sir. This is not what determines maturity for leadership. There are lines drawn in the sand that I don't care how many experiences you have, you are not allowed to cross. It doesn't matter what you do on a Sunday morning. The Bible makes it explicitly clear. This is maturity and this is not. Do not cross the two. Paul, John will go a little bit further. First John, please, chapter 2, verse 13. He will divide the two groups into three. It says verse 13 of chapter 2 of 1 John, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men. Because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. John gives us an insight here. He gives us an insight to some telltale signs of what maturity is. And what immaturity is, what carnality is, and what spirituality is. The carnals are the little children. These are the carnal babes in Christ that have yet to learn and to grow. They're on their way because they're saved. They're on their way to maturity, but yet they have not got there yet, Brother Cottle. They are yet little children. Paul says, I've written unto you. Why? Because your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven from you. The fact is, you recognize God as Father now. You've known Him. You recognize that God is your spiritual Father. That you are part of the beloved now. That you are part of the saved. You're part of the family now. Now listen, folks, you can't be saved if you don't know God as Father. Why? Because He's the one that births you into the kingdom. He's the one that brings you into this world of the church, of the family of God. You have got to know Him as Father from the beginning. From the very onset of your Christianity, you know God as Father. And you rejoice in this. You are happy to know that God is your Father. You are happy to be born into the kingdom. You rejoice over this. For the carnal... Their main focus of joy is the fact that their sins are forgiven them and that God is their Father. That is their main source of joy. They're just happy to be alive in the church. They're just happy to be here because that's all they know. That this doesn't fault them. This is how it should be. As a baby, you don't know nothing except for you're just happy to be alive. You're just happy with every comfort that's given you. As a child, you're just happy to be with mommy and daddy. You're just happy to be around your parents, and yet you are yet so full of life. You're so happy about it. And we do not fault children for this. No, because this is how it should be. Now, look, folks, if your children are not happy being around you, I know they can get quarrelsome. I understand that. But the overriding factor of your house should be that they are happy to be there. All right? The overriding factor of your home is that your children like to be at home, okay? If they don't like to be home, there's, there's, there's some problems. You might want to look into that one. But for the, uh, the carnal in Christ, they are just happy to be in the house of God. They are just happy to be a part of the household of faith. And this is not wrong. But as you mature in Christ, your center of joy shifts or at least it should, if you are going to mature. John throws in a third group here called young men. Young men. The biggest jump in these three groups is from babe or you little children to young men. That's the biggest jump. Between young men and fathers, there's not a whole lot of space. There's not a whole lot of space there. But from a little child to a young man, given what John uses to describe them, there's there's a big space in between those two, Brother Benny. As little children, all you are is just happy to be alive in Christ. That's all you know. Every time you get up and testify, I thank God I'm saved. I thank God I'm saved. I thank God I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm on my way to heaven. This is my greatest joy in life, that I have been saved by God, and He is my Father. I'm just happy to be alive. Wonderful. Wonderful. The church rejoices with you that you are happy to be saved by Jesus Christ. This is great. But if your testimony every single time, consists of those three things, or those four things, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and on your way to heaven. And there is nothing else seen in you that brings you joy in Jesus Christ. You have not matured far. You have not gotten past the the bare fundamentals of God's life for you. But he says, you young men, you young men, I've written unto you because you have overcome the wicked one." I have written unto you because you are strong, the word of God abides in you. Now, if the young men are those that have overcome the wicked one, and they are strong, and the word of God abides in them, that means the little children have not yet to overcome the wicked one on a consistent basis. And they are not yet strong, and the word of God does not yet abide in them. You say, Brother Andrew, what do you mean they haven't overcome the wicked one? They're in Christ, aren't they? Yes, but they have yet to face the temptations that come along the pike. They have yet to prove themselves as strong overcomers. They have yet to find themselves in that book over and over again that the word of God might abide in them. Now, once again, they're on their way. Well, you're not part of the church. They're pushing forward in this, and they have yet, they are wanting to, they're growing in Jesus Christ, happy all the day long, but yet they have not attained unto this. Once again, this is not a problem unless you stop at babes, unless you stop at little children. But the young men are strong, they have overcome the wicked one. You are in this group if you have a continuous victorious life in Jesus Christ. You are in this group if you are strong in his word, and it abides in you, if you know the book. You are constantly overcoming the wicked one. Every every arrow he shoots at you, you deflect. Every trap he lays, you miss it. Every time, every time, you constantly overcome the wicked one. You say, Brother Andrew, I don't know if I'm there yet little children But brother Andrew I know I've been in this thing for a long time and this that, and that. I've been used in the gifts ah, 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 ah. No sir That does not measure your maturity But he's done this through me brother Andrew he's done that through me No sir That does not mean you are mature It can mean you are saved It can mean you are sanctified It can mean you are filled with the Holy Ghost But that does not equal maturity. Want to know if you're on your way, if you're moving up, how's your victorious living in Jesus Christ? How victorious are you on a daily basis? How strong are you? How much infirmities of others can you bear? Or can you barely bear your own infirmities? That's not a whole lot of strength there. If we can barely keep up ourselves... No, the strong, the young men can bear others' infirmities. They can take the weak and they can say, I'll carry that for you. I know you're having a hard time. The Word of God abides in them. They know a scriptural answer for the dilemmas of the day. They overcome the wicked one because the Word of God abides in them. And they are like Jesus with every time the devil tries to trip him up, he answers with Scripture because it abides in him. The third group is that of fathers. What's the difference between a young man and a father? He has reproduced. He has the ability, the capabilities, to bring new life into the world. And he not only brings new life into the world, but he will care for that new life. And he will see that new life matures. And that new life is taken care of. Once again, there's not a whole lot of space in between a young man and a father. In ideal situation, all that is remaining is for them to get married, the husband and wife to come together, and that young man becomes a father. He is fully able, he has just not had the chance yet to reproduce. But with a father, they have given the chance, they have brought new life into this world. And once again, just because you bring new life into this world don't make you a father. It can in a physical sense, but it sure don't in the whole totality of the situation. A father will care for those that he brings into the world. He will make sure their needs are met. He will make sure they are taken care of and that they are not failing or falling or coming up short in anything. A father can reproduce life and then he can disciple that spiritual life. Now, as a young man, you say, Brother, I got this down. I'm working hard. The Lord has blessed me. I'm overcoming the wicked. way. wonderful? Praise be to God, that's great. Can you reproduce that in somebody else yet? Well, not yet, Brother Andrew, but I'm working on it. That's all I need to hear. You are yet a young man. You are yet a young man, but you are working very close to a father. You might need to learn a little bit of other word. You might need to learn a little more faith. I don't know, whatever it may be. But you are very close to bringing other life into this world and not only bringing it into this church world, but perfecting it and growing it and making sure it matures. This is the life of a father. Now, as a babe, as a carnal, you are little children. You have experienced salvation in Jesus Christ, and you're happy. Wonderful. Wonderful. The next step for you as a young man, get in that book. Get into prayer. Build yourself up so that you can constantly overcome the wicked one. You live in a state of victory. You don't get victory when you come down to the altar. You live in victory. For the carnal that is there every state, up and down, up and down, up and down. i got to get to church. i got to get to the altar so I can pray to victory. The young man realizes, I live in victory That every day I wake up in Jesus Christ is a victorious life in Jesus Christ. And every time I come up against the enemy, I can do nothing but win if I trust and serve him. And as a young man, you seek to live this life to where you can produce others in this life. So that you seek to produce others that are not only just born into this thing, but they grow up to be like you. As a father... I hope and pray you can say, I hope my children grow up to be like me. Now, if you cannot say that, you got some work to do. You need to shape up. Well, Brother Andrew, I don't know about that. Well, what about it is it about you that you don't want your children to be like? Well, it's this, it's that. Then fix it. Then fix it. Get it taken care of. So you can be a good role model to your children. You do not want to bring life into this world and lead them up in the exact same path because they're going to follow your path, folks. You're the father. You're all they see. They're going to follow you. They're going to be like you in some way, some form, some fashion. If you don't like that idea, you need to tighten up. You need to get the things taken care of so that they can be like you. But as a father, a spiritual father, you want to come, you want to bring life into the church, and you want the church to look at you as someone they can follow after. Now that's a high calling right there. That's a tight calling, Brother John. That requires a lot out of us. But it is so to be that way. If you're a father, that means you're growing little children behind you. You're making sure they walk like you, and they talk like you. And they act like you. Why? Because you are one they can emulate. As a father, you know him from that, you know him that is from the beginning. Well, what does that mean, Brother Andrew? You have a deeper knowledge of God. He is so much more than just a father to you, you see the whole picture. You go all the way back, you know him that is from the beginning until all the way to where you are now, you see the full picture of Jesus Christ. He's more than just a father to you. He is now your husband. He is now your Lord. He is now your master. He is your God. He is your King. He's all of these things. You've come to know Him that is from the beginning. Not just as a forgiver of sin, not just as a father, but Him that is from the beginning. Why is it Why is it that the church always just continually dwells upon the fact that their sins are forgiven? Why are they not moving on to other things, still bringing along the fact that they are forgiven of sins, still rejoicing in it, but moving on to different things, moving on to a deeper fellowship and a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ? Why? Because we are carnal. When our songs are always filled with simply the fact that we are forgiven of sins, Or our songs are always filled with, well, I had a bad day, but Jesus helped me. I struggled I failed, but He picked me up. Listen to our songs. Listen to the songs of the church world. They're filled with such things. Why is that? Because we are carnal. Go back, listen to some other songs that talk about the deep things of God. Listen to some of the old hymns that rejoice in the truths of God. Rejoice in the deep spiritual thoughts and the thinkings about Christ and about God. They're not talking about, I failed yesterday, but praise be to God, He brought me out of it. No, 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 no. They're talking about, he, I'm always victorious in Jesus Christ. I have learned new truths about Jesus Christ. He is more to me than He has ever been. These are the songs of spiritual writers but our church world today is filled with carnal songs because we are carnal people. And the one that rings truest to us is that our sins are forgiven, that He's taken away the shame, and that we failed yesterday, but He was so helpful to get me up out of bed this morning. Why do we sing those? Because those are the ones we like the most. They ring truest to us. These things ought not so to be. If we sing a song that rejoices in salvation, every member of the church can rejoice in that, including the spiritual, because our sins are forgiven us. But let the next song be about holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Talking nothing about the forgiveness of sins, talking about nothing of His blessings toward us, just simply that our God is holy and pure and righteous. And let everybody in the church rejoice. But Brother Andrew, those songs just don't move me as much as the new ones do. Carnal. Carnal. Carnal people. These things ought not so to be. Quickly, a few more things. First Corinthians 3, verse 3. We will note a few things here that clearly define a carnal man from a spiritual man. All contained within 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. Why? For whereas there is among you envying, and strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, Are ye not carnal? The carnal are easily divided. The spiritual allow nothing but doctrine to divide. Mm. That one's a little tight. The carnal will allow the smallest little thing to cause a division. The spiritual man will let nothing but the issue of truth cause division. Did you know we are not allowed to divide ourselves amongst one another except, except on the basis of sin and false doctrine? That is it. Nothing else is allowed. Well, I just don't like that person. Not good enough. Well, they did this to me. Not good enough. Christ wants to hear nothing about it. No, you are only allowed to divide. You are only allowed to separate from somebody if there is sin, unrepented sin, and false doctrine. If they've repented of the sin, your case is gone. Sorry. You are called to forgive them. You are called to let it go. You are called to be reunited with them. Your case is gone once they ask for forgiveness. You have no more case. It's over with. We are allowed to cast people out that teach false doctrine and are not willing to turn from it. Why? Because false doctrine will not be allowed in the church. Sin will not be allowed in the church. Once again, once sin is repented of, it's forgiven in Jesus Christ, it's cast away, no longer an issue false doctrine, there's only one thing to do to that thing. Kill it. Kill it. And if the person won't kill it, then you get rid of the person. They will not allow to be in the church spewing false doctrine. But these two are the only two. Nothing else is allowed to divide the church. If you want to be able to spot a carnal church, look for Divisions. How well are they getting along? Paul is annoyed here. You can can sense it in his words. He's downright annoyed at this point. Why in the world are you divided over Paul and Apollos and Cephas and this one and that one? This is ridiculous. You can hear it. Read Paul's, read it with some emphasis. Read it with a little spirit about it, and you can hear the frustration. This is ridiculous, people. Why in the world are you divided over such a stupid little thing? Because they're carnal. Carnal Kids, little children, folks, little children can get upset at over someone over the littlest thing. Now, adults are not supposed to be that way. But, there's issues there. But with kids, they'll be the smallest, silliest thing that causes one not to be their best friend anymore. Or this one and that one. Over and over and over again. Why? They don't understand. They don't understand the insignificance of such a thing. And many carnal Christians are the same way. They don't understand the insignificance of a little schism that comes up how really important it is, really, in the grand scheme of eternity, how important it is whether or not you hold to Paul or to Apollos or to Cephas. Paul will go on to say, I am one that waters. I am one that planteth. He plants, I water. God gives the increase. What's the big deal? It's all God giving the increase. Take your little schism. Put it up to the light of eternity. Put it up to God himself, standing before the throne of Jesus Christ, and said, Lord, I just couldn't get along with that person because of this. Because of this little insignificant thing, I couldn't get along with them. Mm, I don't think it'll work out so well. I don't think it'll work out so well. Christ caused division when they come up and said, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name? Have we not done this in your name? I've never known you. Division. <laughs> cut them off. Why? Because they're not real. But not because I didn't like you. Not because I didn't care for you. Not because you just aggravated me or because you bothered me. Thanks be to God He don't cut us off because we aggravate Him. Right. All right? There'd be nobody left. There'd be nobody left. But He is ever kind and patient toward us. And yet we call up our little schisms we have in the church and say, Lord, I just can't get over it. They did this to me. They did that to me. You don't see it all, folks. Your mind is zeroed in on the wrong thing. You've got tunnel vision. You are carnal. You are carnal. You are not spiritual. You're not seeing the big picture of things. No, the big picture is we're all headed towards glory. The big picture is we're all headed to the perfect man, Jesus Christ. The big picture is that we all might grow up and be like Christ. The carnal are superficial in their understanding of scriptural commands. The spiritual understand the principles of scripture and are able to properly apply them. Chapter 8, verse 4. Chapter 8, verse 4. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in our sacrifice under idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other but God. But none other God but one. For though there be a, that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be God's many and Lord's many, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. How be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat, as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. You couple this with Romans chapter 14 and what Paul tells us there, and you will find that the carnal cannot properly apply scriptural principles. They see things in a very narrow light, but they've got blinders on. And they cannot reconcile scriptural truths and apply them properly. But the strong are those who see the big picture, who can take all of the scripture and the principles of scripture and apply them properly. The strong are those who can look at a situation and not just look on the outside, but they can dig into it a little bit and find where the dividing line is at. On the outside, for the weak, the dividing line is right there. Right there in the middle. For the spiritual, he looks a little bit closer and finds out the line is a little bit farther down. And you dig into this thing a little bit more, and this is on the right, and that is on the left. But the weak do not know how to do this. Why? Because the Word of God does not abide in them yet. They have yet to come to understand the principles behind the commandments. They have yet to come to understand why God said do this and do that so that they have a hard time applying it to every situation. The strong man can say, God told me not to do this. Well, why did he tell me not to do that? Oh, the principle is this. Oh, I understand. Therefore, I can then take that principle and apply it to other situations. In situations that the Bible does not address, I can then take it and address those situations by the scriptural principles, and come out on top. But the weak are not so. Now the weak in this situation are called to give up their liberty that they might serve the weak. The strong are called to give up the liberty to serve the weak. And so we are not called to cause our brother to stumble. But he don't call the weak to do that. Why? Because they can barely keep themselves up. No, but the strong stoop down, give up their liberty that they might then help the weak. How helpful are you to your fellow brethren? How helpful are you to the church? Are you one that has to be constantly held up by others? Are you constantly in the prayer line? Are you constantly looking out, Lord, come help me, brother. Help me, brother. I, gotta, I need this. I need that. I got to have this. Or are you one that gives strength to others? Do you stoop down and help them up? Are you able to bear their infirmities along with yours? It does no good if you cast your infirmities off on somebody else and then pick someone else's up. All right? That's not bearing the infirmities of others. You've just given someone else a bigger load. No, but you're able to bear your own And you're able to bear others because you're strong. The last one. Leading into that, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, and exhortation, and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that she prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now I want to pull a principle out of this, and we'll deal with some of it, the other situations later. But the principle is this: those that are strong in the faith seek to edify one another while in a corporate setting. They are not interested in coming to church just to be edified. They've had a good service when they've edified others. Not simply when they've gotten blessed. Now, that's not how we define a good service, is it, Brother David? We define a good service, man, I had a good time. Shoo! that was a great service. I rejoiced, I jumped, I shouted, I spoke in tongues. The whole time, Brother Andrew, I spoke in tongues. It was a good time. Well, you may have had a good time. You may have. I'm not doubting that. It looks like you did. But, one, how much worship did you actually do? And two, did you edify somebody while you were there? Because that is the goal of a strong Christian, of a mature Christian. I can get edification all day long, Brother David, in my closet at home with God. I'm with the brethren now. I'm concerned about my brothers. I'm concerned about my sisters in Christ. I put their needs above my own. Therefore, when I walk into that door, I want to see who I can help. I come to worship Him first and foremost. My second obligation is to edify a brother or sister. But many times, this is not the reason we enter into the house of worship. We enter into the house of worship to get blessed. Folks, I hate to tell you, that's not a biblical principle. The house of worship is just that. It's a house of worship. It's a house of prayer. The church is not here to bless you. Now, we get blessed. All the time we get blessed. But that should not be your main goal in coming into a church service. And that should not be your main goal in being part of the church. Well, I thank God I'm part of the church because they help me. Carnal. I thank God I'm part of the church because I can be a help to somebody. Spiritual. We enter into the house of worship. We're ready to stop everything that we might receive help. Carnal. Carnal. We come into the church. How can I join in with the believers, not attention on me, but join in with the believers and worship God and edify one another? Spiritual. Spiritual. I know there may be times we need help, Brother Caudle. There will be times, but if that's the majority of services, we've got a problem. We're carnal. We are not spiritual people. Now you say, Brother Andrew, that hurts. I understand. It hurts me too when reading through these things. And I've read through them, said, hmm. I think you look more like a babe, Andrew, than you do a mature Christian in that one you got to tighten up. This has not been for us to look around and say, Ha! Brother Andrew, got him, Got that person. Got this one. Got this one. Carnal. You are so carnal. You are so very carnal. You missed the entire point of the message. And you are a babe in Christ. But the spiritual will say, Oh, I need to tighten up here. And if I recognize faults in others, Lord, help me that I might help them. Not that I'm a lord to my spiritual, quote-unquote, maturity over them. No, I recognize that they are faulty. You ought to be able to recognize a carnal Christian. You ought to be able to. But never to the point where you degrade them. Never. No, you reach your hand down. You say, come on, brother. Let's get up and move forward. What is the admonition for those that have been take, overtaken in a fault? Ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one. Why? Because it takes a spiritual man to reach down and say, Come on, brother. It's okay. God has provided a way out. Let's get back up together and let's move forward. That's a spiritual man and woman, not a carnal one. A carnal one will look at it. Whew. He messed up, man. I got to watch out for myself. I got to do this. I got to do this or this. Or he looks down upon the one. He, He scours at him. He disregards him. He says, you should have done better. You should have done this. You should have done that. Carnal. Carnal all the day long. The spiritual man looks beyond it all. He sees a soul. He sees a brother who is in need of help. And he reaches down and he picks the one up. And you move forward together. It's all forgotten in the past. And you move forward together for Jesus Christ. Let's stand this morning. As I said at the beginning, I do not know and I cannot tell you whether you are spiritual or carnal for sure. I might be able to look and say, well, I think you need to tighten up here. I need to think you need to tighten up here. This, that, and the other. But the true test or the true knowledge of maturity rests between you and God. God really knows how mature you are. Your maturity is not displayed on Sunday mornings. The few hours we are together in the week are not enough to tell me whether or not you're spiritual or mature for sure. I can make some pointers. I can point out some things. But the true test is when you get out there in everyday life. How are you living? Are you victorious in Jesus Christ? Every day? Do you overcome the wicked one? Every day? Does the word of God abide in you every day? Are you able to birth new ones into the kingdom and watch them mature under your leadership every day? Are you more concerned about your brother and your sister in the church than you are yourself every day? Maturity consists of consistency. Once again, a child can act mature for a time or two. But that doesn't make them mature. Mature are mature all the time. All the time. How concerned are you for others? Do you seek your own edification? During a worship service, are you so concerned with how you might get blessed versus whether or not you're glorifying God and helping others? What is your main focus during worship? What is your main focus during prayer? Is your prayer constantly, Lord, I need help, I need this, I need that, I need this, over and over and over again. And our whole time of prayer is spent in needs. You have not come to know Him that is from the beginning. He is still only your Father, and not much more. But know Him that is from the beginning can rest. He don't have to ask for everything. Some things He just rests to the Lord, because the Bible tells Him to do so. The Word of God abides in him. He knows that which is from the beginning. He understands the eternality of God, the provision of God, the sovereignty of God. He understands these things because he knows Him from the beginning. The carnal are easily divided. They don't take much. Throw a little schism in there, it'll take them weeks to get over it, months to get over it, sometimes years. Carnal carnal a spiritual man can be offended on Sunday and by Sunday night has already gotten it fixed before the service is over has gotten it fixed before they leave one another has gotten it taken care of he understands the big picture I will not let this thing fester I will not let this thing bleed on I will take care of this right now that's a spiritual man but a carnal man can't get over the hurt can't get over the, the hurt feelings and the struggles of it. And once again, if we're new babes in Christ, these things are to be expected. It's understandable. It's understandable for a baby to be fleshly. It's understandable for a, carnal or a new Christian to be carnal. But if a baby was 14, 15, 16, 20, 25, 30 and still just full of the flesh, all he wants to do is eat and sleep, somebody to pat his back, rub his head, or whatever it may be, we would say, uh, there's some problems. There's some problems. This person's not maturing. And if we've spent years in Christ, and we still have to have somebody feed us, because we can't feed ourselves in the Word. We have to have somebody pray for us, because we can't talk to Father yet. Because we're just, you know, babbling off in baby talk. Well, we can't we can't forgive one another, because we're so concerned about how we feel in the flesh. These things ought not so to be. The church is made up of both, but I will tell you, it takes a majority of spiritual to make a church go forward. What do you get when you have a maturity or a, a majority that are carnal? Corinthians. Not a pretty picture. Not a pretty picture. You have a church that's always divided. Majority of those people are carnal. You have a church that's so just so interested in the shout, and not actual worship. Carnal church. People that are carnal. You have a church that unable to birth new life into it. Carnal. There's no spiritual fathers. Not good. Not good. But the pathway, once again, is a straight one. It's a straight shot. All you've got to do is keep on it. And you will get to maturity. To the point where you can do all those things and yet more. That is not an exhaustive list of the difference between spiritual and carnal. By any means. Go throughout the scripture. Go throughout every time that carnal or spiritual, weak, strong full of faith, doubting. Look at the different situations and you will find the difference between carnal and spiritual Christians. This afternoon, I want to delve into that last one, the worship side of things, a little bit more. But for now, once again, there's only two beings on the face of the earth that truly know which one you are. That's you and God. You might appear spiritual in the church service, but I could really care less about the few hours we are together if your life at home is a baby's life. Hypocrite is what they are called. If you act super spiritual here, but you're not willing to act super spiritual Monday morning, you, sir or madam, are a hypocrite. You need to get that taken care of.